It's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. You know what? It is you. Gyms in 2020, how do I deal with you? You left me high and dry a few months back. You know what gyms are in 2020? They're your ex-girlfriend from when you were like 26 years old. So listen up, gyms in 2020, an ex-girlfriend from when I was 26. You forced me to eat my feelings while I was locked in my house for the last four months. I spent a shit ton of money on you over the last few years, and it was usually pretty inconvenient to visit you. I would leave your place a sweaty mess. Hell, I even used your shower, which was kind of gross. But here we sit, middle of the summer, and now you want me back. Now you want me to call you before I show up. Now you want me to wear protection. Now you want me to stay six feet apart and keep my body to myself. I feel like I'm a booty call for you. But you know what? Something happened over the last couple of months. I realized something. I realized that a pair of dumbbells and a workout app with the face of the beautiful Chris Hemsworth on it is all I need to maintain my schlubby, chubby, but kind of not chubby, but still kind of chubby, Greek god physique. But seriously, are there any other dads out there that are rethinking the whole gym thing? I love the gym. I really enjoy going and breaking up my day or ending the day on a high note. But you know what I don't love about the gym? When it's Saturday morning and I need to work out, but I don't want to drive 15 minutes each way and have the conversation with my wife about are we going to bring our daughter to the kids' corral? Is she going to do a workout class? But her workout class starts at 9.30 and it's 8.15 and I want to go now. Or when it's a cold, wintry day and it's dark out by like 3 in the afternoon and I'm tired after a long day and now I have to drive to the gym and I hope that the three pieces of equipment that I plan on using that day aren't taken up by a couple of bro dudes hanging there with giant suitcases on the floor leaning on the squat rack. Or, and this is the absolute worst, how many of you have been in the gym locker room and you're changing into your clothes or you've just come back into the locker room after your workout and there are 200 lockers in there, right? And there's only a handful of people. But for some reason, someone comes in or is already there and of course, they're using the locker right next to you. Not a few lockers down, not on the other side of this giant ass room with 200 lockers in it, but they're just right there, right in your kitchen, and they literally have a suitcase worth of shit on the bench and on the floor, and you're thinking like, I just need to get my keys and get out of here. So here we sit, gyms in 2020, now what? Do I build a home gym? Do I turn into a runner? Do I just do 100 push-ups a day and become a vegan? What do I do? The ball is in your court, which I can't get to because there's someone standing in front of my locker unpacking their clothes. Now it's time for today's sponsor, I Wish I Had. And today's sponsor, I Wish I Had, PRX Performance, specifically the Profile Pro Rack. And as I just mentioned, a home gym sounds pretty good right about now. And these guys are gonna make it possible. As soon as I have the money, and as soon as I can convince my wife. But I'm close, I think. Anyway, the reason I love this company, which was featured on Shark Tank, by the way, is that one of their main big time products is a folding squat rack. And over the last year, I did a bunch of research on squat racks for garage gyms and other equipment for garage gyms. And what makes this rack the best is the following. It folds away and pulls out without you having to assemble or disassemble anything. So you don't have to remove any parts or add any parts in order to use it or in order to stow it away. And when it's stowed away, it only sticks out of the wall about four inches. And yeah, go ahead, insert your joke about four inches. So my wife and I both have SUVs and that will easily allow us to park both of our SUVs in the garage. 
because if I'm going to sell this to my wife, I can't say this is going to be an awesome garage gym. And by the way, just park outside and don't forget the umbrella. Solid construction. My biggest fear of having a home gym is getting some piece of equipment like a squat rack and it's a piece of crap and it falls down while I'm using it or it breaks apart when it's stowed away and destroys my car. Now, I am no power lifter. I think the most I ever squatted is like 300 pounds. So it's not like I'm going to be loading this bar up with 600 pounds, but this squat rack can take it. It has solid three by three heavy duty construction. You can go to YouTube right now and watch the drop test they did on their support bars. This thing can handle whatever you throw at it, even my flimsy 300 pound squat. And that makes me feel super comfortable, especially with a toddler. Because if I'm outside in the garage working out and I have my bar loaded up and my daughter comes out to say hi, I don't wanna to have to worry about that equipment failing on me at all. So their construction not only gives me peace of mind from a performance standpoint, but also from a safety standpoint. So go check them out, PRX Performance, and start talking to your significant other now about this revolutionary, amazing squat rack that you need in your life that will transform your family dynamic and make you the greatest dad and husband ever. Or just tell them it's a sweet-ass squat rack and you need it ASAP as possible. PRX Performance, today's sponsor, I wish I had. Today's guest is a good friend of mine in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. His name is Jaime Ramos, and he is Mexican-American. And I say that because his wife is Asian-American. And I say that because when they had their baby boy, there was a bit of a learning curve when the two family cultures came together. Also, they throw a great Texas OU party. Also, also, we may have had some drinks during this interview, which is what you can hear swirling around in the background. Enjoy. The only reason that I'm friends with you is because of your annual Texas OU party. So uh, the, only, the only thing I can describe that in one word is, is three words, Chick-fil-A nuggets. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but uh, those are great parties you throw every year. And um, thank you so much for, for doing that and inviting us. Uh, so if you could, Jaime, I know you, but everybody listening might not. So give me a quick introduction, who you are, what you do, and you're a father of what and for how long and all that jazz. Sure. So my name is Jaime Ramos. I am Mexican American, but I look like a white boy. So people call me Jamie whenever That's they true. see me. Yeah. Um, I am married to a Asian uh, American Asian woman. Um, she was born in the United States. Her parents were born in Taiwan. So our son Luke is a mix of Mexican slash Taiwanese ethnicity. Um, and he's 14 months old. And so, uh, it's definitely been a whirlwind of a year from 2019 to where we stand right now, <laughs> the third month of 2020, where we are living in some sort of movie. Um, and so anyway, um, it, it's, it's definitely, um, been some sort of crazy ride since he was born. We love it. We wouldn't do anything else. And everyone tells you just wait till you're a parent, um, to really understand what's going on. And, yeah. um, it's true. You don't understand, uh, what other people go it's through. It's the most annoying thing to hear. It is. Right. And then you're a parent and you're like, you know what? I mean, there's no way around it. it. Yeah, you're right. I get it. Yeah. Being a dad is not an old person's game. It's like a hangover. No. It's like a hangover to where in your twenties, you could deal with four or five hours of sleep and bounce back and be fine the next day. But when you're For 41, sure. like me, um, it is not easy. What, what do you, now that you've had 14 months to sort of reflect back, what do you look at and say as 
this is the the daily struggle that has been been for me as a dad or this was something I wasn't prepared for wasn't thinking of but man it's it's a lot harder than I thought or this part of it is way more challenging than I thought it would be to me it's um I think it's the guilt of not being around him that often so um pre-quarantine pre-COVID-19 um when he was three months old we put him in daycare uh, because my wife's, um, maternity leave was up and we, she was going back to work. And so we gave him over to strangers and he couldn't even lift his head. And so the guilt we both felt was like pretty much dagger in the heart and, um, it, it, our most prized possession, right? I mean, there's nothing else in this world that's more valuable than our, than our children. Right. Yep. So yep. Same for your daughter, same for my son. Like I would, you know, give anything to make sure that he feels secure, feels, um, you know, he's healthy and all that kind of stuff. And so when we left him at that daycare, um, it, it was, it was disheartening. Like I was, I was really the guilt, like I had sleepless nights afterwards, but I think the biggest challenge for me as a dad is, um, not spending enough time with him. Like the fact that we only have really weekends with him, um, that his daycare, the daycare workers, uh, are raising him and know him more than we do at certain times. I mean, he, yes, he knows us and he loves us and all, and he's attached to us. But at the same time, I think that was the most difficult thing for me as a father is the fact that I had to be away from him that much. Um, and I know my wife felt the same way that she did not, she wasn't able to you know, be there. I mean, you, we yep. get to a certain point in our lives where we're used to a lifestyle um, uh, you know, we, we, you know, buying a home and being able to afford certain things. My biggest, I guess, challenge going forward is being that father that's present and making sure that I'm present for my son. I think that's something a lot of dads deal with, right? Is like you said, whether, whatever your financial situation is or otherwise, if, if you're a family or you're a single, single parent or whatever, if you have to work, you have to work. Uh, so one thing, and you mentioned this way at the beginning when you were sort of introducing yourself, is that you have you come from one culture and your wife Amy comes from another culture. So both of your parents and grandparents come from very different ways of living and culture and all that sort of stuff. And I'm curious to know with that, even though both you and Amy were born here in the States and, and that's all you've known, but being both being able to travel, curious to know what challenges there might have been after Luke was born or maybe leading up to Luke was born. Was there some... Um, gymnastics that had to be done, if you will, to sort of bridge the two cultures, or was it a pretty smooth transition, all things considered? Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest uh, culture clash occurred after he was born, or once he was born. Her parents uh, came uh, and flew in during, like, I think it was like a week after he was born. The Chinese culture, especially her parents, is for the the mother, uh, the brand new mother, to rest and not do anything for thirty days. Traditionally, so Amy, Amy was yes. That culture so sort a, of once Amy gives so birth, so Amy, then... Amy gives birth, and she's not even supposed to shower. She's not supposed to bathe. She's oh. not supposed to clean her hair. Um, it, the thing about it is that it is a the belief being that a woman has gone through such a huge. Uh, metaphysical as well as physical change through her body, spiritually, emotionally, physically, otherwise, which okay. is true. Um, yep. And the yep. thing about it is that to the, the Western culture, us, we tend to rush back into um, normal life. And so... Uh, Fair point. So the Chinese culture is to foster the, 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 the mother-to-be. And so the in-laws come in 
um, and family and uh, do the work. So her parents came and when I say invaded, um, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> they took over our household <laughs> and we lived in the townhome at that time. And so her mother came in and um, we are very orderly. You know, we put things away after they're uh, after we use them. Our kitchen is pretty much uh, once we're done making dinner and everything's washed and put away. Um, yes, you may have a knife block and you may have a toaster oven, but that's all that's on the counters. Sure. Not so with what there. They had food galore <laughs> everywhere. She kept this plastic bag full of, uh, instead of throwing it down the garbage disposal or even throwing the trash, she had like a bag of like uh, chicken uh, skin that was just left in there overnight, just in a bag. <laughs> Open just bag marinated. area. Oh my God. It was just, it was like, <laughs> I mean, for someone that is like, not even a germaphobe, just someone that's very, wants to be very clean and orderly. It was definitely something that was a huge uh, lifestyle change for that month, month and a half that they were there. And um, Amy even had me, the thing is she couldn't uh, even drink anything that was cold and she couldn't be out in the cold. And the thing is Luke was born December 27th. So the whole month yeah. of January, it was winter. And yes, Dallas, it doesn't get as as cold as up North, but still it gets cold. And Amy couldn't go outside without being completely bundled up like head to toe. And so when we went up to, to pediatrician visits, she, I mean, Amy hated it. And so like when we were up, she would take, uh, she would sneak showers uh, she would ask me to take up uh, uh, glasses of ice water, you know, pretending it was for me, but it was really for her. So um, that was definitely a, a culture clash for sure when we go through so, there. So part of that culture was she wasn't even supposed to be outside in the cold or have yeah. anything that was anything cold? cold. Yeah. Wow. So imagine imagine giving birth to a baby for a Chinese culture during the summer, a Texas summer. And yeah. you're having to under and, and and the fact is you can't even put the AC on in your house, so we are lucky that Luke was yeah. born in December. That yeah. that's true. Understand the fact that it's it's temporary, and it was, and they left, and then. Um, but the thing about it is that her mom, for all that we thought it was a headache living through that whole thing, she was our night nurse, right? She let us sleep, she let us rest, she took care. Her the the the, the grandparents took care of our newborn. So when they left, it was like, oh shit, now we've got to step in and be parents for real. Whereas a lot of, a lot of uh, newborn, uh, you know, parents of newborns from the very beginning, they have to take care. And so, yeah, so it was like, it was like being in the hospital little, again, right? Once they yeah. gave you the baby and you're like, um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a bit delayed. I mean, we used to be where I wake up in the morning I would, and, and her mom was there for only three weeks. She wasn't there for the full month, month and day. her dad was there longer and her dad was more, it's more easy going. So it was. It, you know, the, the, it wasn't that that long of a period of, of craziness. But even when her dad was there, I would, in the morning, I would take him down. I would, you know, wake up with Luke. I would take Luke down and hand her over to her dad, my father-in-law. And then we would get ready and go to work or do whatever. And Amy would sleep in and her dad would watch Luke for about two hours or so before Amy would wake up. When they left, it was like, oh, no, that's we had to do everything on our own, right? So just like all responsible parents. So it wasn't like all like negatives. I mean, there's a lot of positives and it was, they, they her parents are, are, are very uh, caring, loving people. It's just, a, again, it's a different culture. And so did you, um, did you push back on any of that when they were like, Hey, you can't take a shower and you can't have ice water. Like what was, what was your reaction to that? 
because maybe Amy was sort of prepared for that, but like I would be taken aback, even if it was good intentions, like that would be, whoa, like what? Yeah, uh, and I, I didn't care about that so much because it didn't selfishly affect me directly. It affected more <laughs> Amy, and, and I'm like, uh, good, you know, good, good husband. It, yeah, good husband. The biggest thing with her that I had to temper myself with is her mom is uh, very opinionated. The biggest difference, and it may be culturally or otherwise, but my parents, on the other hand, are very laid back and they are very hands, not hands off, they're very hands on, but they're, we don't want to intrude in your life. We will only be there if you ask us to. We're not going to tell you anything that you should or shouldn't do. Whatever you want us to be there, we'll be involved. Where her mom is like, I'll be there no matter what. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to be, you know, whatever. So, sure. And the thing about it in, in both cultures, the intentions are the same. They want to, they, they're showing love, they're showing care, do all that kind of stuff. You know, coming from the old world, right? Coming from Taiwan where uh, Amy's parents were born, it's it's very much that, I mean, that's how they were raised, right? Um, it's, it's what they call the tiger mom. And um, I think I've, even though Amy has talked about it and doing all that kind of stuff, it's me experiencing it. Oh, that that's interesting. That's honestly, that's incredible perspective and incredible um, information. I had no idea about any of that. And I don't know how many of our listeners that aren't in a similar situation like you would have, would have knowledge of that either. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything. (laughs) I think that's super cool. Sure. Yeah. All right. So we got through all the, the boring stuff um, about what it's like to be a father and experiencing childbirth and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Right. Now we're going to get to some fun questions here. This is our uh, put the kids to bed segment. Go. These are rapid fire questions. Uh, I'm going to get right in there, right in your soul, right in your heart. Uh, What's your drink of choice? My drink of choice has been bourbon for a long time. Bourbon. Um, I am very much a novice to mezcal. But it wasn't until we, uh, Amy and I went to Marfa a couple of years ago. Mezcal Old Fashions um, from Marfa. A mezcal is n- uh, not unlike tequila. It kind of comes from an agave plant, but um, it's more smoky. And if it's the same ingredients as a regular Old Fashioned where you usually have bourbon on it. How? How do you take your coffee? Generally, I'll take it with a little bit of dairy on the bottom with the coffee poured on top. Are you allowed... At home, are you allowed to load the dishwasher? I am Mexican, so I wash dishes primarily. Amy cooks, I clean. So yes, the dishwasher is all me. Um, Very 2020. Yeah, I don't let anyone else, I don't let uh, Amy uh, load the dishwasher. She does it. If she does it, she does it wrong. So I am uh, the purveyor of the the dishwasher. Interesting dynamic. Uh, Speaking of Amy, what's the the last date night you guys had? I think uh, my parents were here during the February time frame. They let us, uh, we went out and had a date night. I think we just went to a movie or something like that, but it's been a while. During sure. uh, during labor and the birth, were you north or south of the equator? Luke came out with uh, with forceps at about at 9.49 at night. So for three hours and 49 minutes, I was part of the labor crew. I was helping her push. You were so right in there? I was, I was right in there and um, when he came out and I saw all the blood, like the, the, the table where they had all the tools and everything, I, it looked like a scene out of the movie Saw. Amy kept telling me, go to Luke, go to Luke, whenever he was put on the, the scale yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And I was wanting to stay with, with Amy because I was like, is she losing too much blood? Like it was, to me, it was, it was chaos. But yeah, I was there the whole experience. Man, it's, I tell you what, uh, it's like 
the Seattle fish market when uh, when the baby comes out in there, right? I mean, they're just like bang, bang, boom, tossing the kid around on the scale, cutting this. Oh yeah, that, like, and, and you're and you're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, they they grab the kid by the back of the neck like it's a puppy. What was the runner-up name for for Luke? Did you have a runner-up name, <laughs> a backup name? We did. So it that was at a real battle. We went through a million different names, and so Amy's name was Wesley. She wanted Wesley as his name. So to, for me, um, the two names I had was Henry and Luke. All right. Well, this has been amazing. Um, I thought I've learned some really cool stuff, and uh, you're a good friend. Sure. And I really appreciate <laughs> you taking time. I know it's uh, yeah. it's draining at the end of a long week to sit down and, and do this, but I really appreciate that. All right, before we wrap up today, it's time for our Just the Tip segment. And I want to preface this by saying I am not an expert in any way on this subject matter. And I wouldn't even consider myself an enthusiast. I'm just a casual fan of this subject. And this subject is having a cigar every week or two. And one of the first mistakes I made a few years ago when I first started getting into cigars was I cut off the wrong end of the cigar, which is just spectacular. I started with a full cigar and ended up with a little chub, just a two-inch stubby, and everyone around me laughed. However, I did learn how to light a cigar pretty well. So with that in mind, here's a down-and-dirty rundown on how to light a cigar better. Not perfectly, just a bit better than you might be doing now, and certainly better than I did a couple of years ago when I cut my cigar in more than half. So the first thing to be aware of is there's a handful of devices you can use to light a cigar. There's matches, a regular lighter, there's cigar matches, there's even strips of cedar wood that you can light and use to light your cigar. However, my preferred device is a torch lighter. And the main reason for that is that it can withstand wind, because I'm usually outside when I light a cigar, and your hand or thumb is not going to get super hot while you have it ignited. Alright, so once I ignite my torch lighter, then I bring the foot of the cigar, which is the end that you light, close to the flame but not in the flame and that's a really important distinction because what you're actually doing when you light a cigar is you're toasting a cigar you don't want to char the paper because if you char the paper and then you draw on the cigar or take a puff of the cigar all that burnt flavor is going to come right through the cigar and it's not going to taste anywhere close to the way it should and the second part of this as you're toasting your cigar is you want to gently and continuously rotate the cigar so that it lights slowly and evenly. Now something I've done, and this has been according to some research I've done, is about halfway through I will pull it away from the flame and I'll gently blow on the lit end of the cigar to sort of fan the flame and then I'll go back to continue lightly toasting it and continuing to circulate the cigar. The last part of this is once I have the cigar evenly lit then I'll draw on it or take a couple of puffs and look at the lid end and it might show me any inconsistencies or areas that I've missed. And then from there, I can use the lighter and do some additional toasting or I can just sit back, grab my scotch or bourbon or a white cloth and enjoy. Bring it in. Next week, I'm joined by a good friend of mine. He's got a crazy ass name. He had on a crazy ass outfit the first day I met him. And he talks about how he and his wife had some struggles early on when they were trying to start a family. This is a really funny and really informative episode, so you definitely want to tune in next week. Thanks for listening, and remember, Saturday is Datterday. We'll see you next week.